Hello! Welcome to the History of Hour with Ryan and Jamie. I'm Ryan. And I'm Jamie. And today we're recording this on the Saturday, the 2nd of October. And on this day in 1967, American lawyer and civil rights activist Thorogood Marshall was sworn into the US Supreme Court, becoming its first African American member. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And on this day in 1869, Gandhi was born. Gandhi. Yeah. The old Mahatma Gandhi. He Mahatma was born. Gandhi. That's nice. Yeah. Um, before he got assassinated, of course, in 1948. Well, um, also, on this day in 1959, the uh, sci-fi uh, anthology series The Twilight Zone, created by Rod Sterling, was first aired on TV. It was hugely popular. And I think has just been uh, restarted, actually, oh, with um, Ke- uh, with uh, uh, with Jordan Peele. Oh, uh, the helm, I believe. Oh, that's anyway, so cool. That's, I um, never watched Twilight never watched Zone. It's quite interesting. It's, got, it's one of those shows that's referenced in everything, like yeah. The Simpsons and Family oh, yeah, Guys. Yeah, yeah. Referenced all over the place. Futurama, I believe, mm-hmm. does quite a good one with it. And on this day in 1836, Charles Darwin returns to England. Oh, look at that! Um, yes, yeah, so a five-year journey on the HMS Beagle, um, where he observed species and blah blah blah. And you know this, um, this the the journey that led to his theory of evolution and 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 um, natural selection. Indeed, it did. Indeed, oh. it did. So. Today, uh, on this uh, episode of the History of Albert Ryan and Jamie, that's, I hope you know that, listening, listening to this, I hope you Do know this by now. full title every time? Uh, yes. We should create an abbreviation. No. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, uh, today, we're going to do something slightly different, uh, I suppose. We've sort of done it before uh, in Series 1. Um, and this first is now, time in Series 2, First though. time in Series 2, <laughs> where uh, we're doing a subject where I know a lot about, I, I feel quite passionate about this, I want to talk about it, I desperately want to talk about this thing that I've learnt, um, and Jamie doesn't know all that much about it, no, yeah. so I'm going to teach Jamie, and then through Jamie, you will also learn, hopefully. Or if you knew already, you can then judge me on all the things I get wrong. Um, and hopefully it's minimal, but we'll, we'll, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. Um, so today we are going to talk about, or I'm going to talk about, at, talk at Jamie about, uh, is the what inspired Shakespeare to write The Tempest. Ah. Tempest is his last play ever written and also his last work. But I've got an interesting fact about that. Is that and this is quite, the, quite a spectacular fact, so I, I hope you enjoy this. Is that although The Tempest is Shakespeare's last work, the last thing he wrote... It is not his last official work as, uh, as you know, categorised in the British Library. Oh. Shakespeare's last official work, according to the British Library, this is, <laughs> was written in 1920. Oh, well, hold on there, mister. Yeah. Shakespeare yeah. was long dead. That's, that's a curveball, isn't it? That's quite the curveball. <laughs> this is something quite in- incredible, I-, I found, that... Um, that according to the uh, Essential Cataloging, The Basics, everyone's favourite guide to... Essential cataloging. Yes, yes, it's a nice yes. basic book. It, it lays it out quite really simply. Gets, yeah, it's the one I want. There we go. You know, it's not not too advanced. Yeah, yeah. That's that's a book we use, by the way, by the British Library and the US Library of Congress um, to understand, you know, to, to to figure out how books are categorised and, and, and things. To, the laws of the books, mm-hmm. um, the sacred laws of the libraries. Uh, according to this, um, an author, books written by an author after their death are still catalogued under their name. So Shakespeare was apparently, and although I don't believe in it, this is the British Library, um, Shakespeare's last work was entitled The Book for Him I Name for Jesus' Sake by William Shakespeare, brackets, spirit. (laughs) Conjured by Sarah Taylor Shatford. That's right. Shatford. (laughs) That's her last name. Uh, So yes, he was was conjured, apparently, uh, and, and wrote... Wrote a new book. Wow, yeah, it's incredible stuff. Yeah, that's uh, the last, that's the most recent 
work written by Shakespeare? Uh, am I um, might I say my favourite? Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. Oh, do you know what? I really love that Shakespeare Shakespeare book. What's that one? The book for him I named for Jesus' sake. It does I love that one. It doesn't make sense. Why is the title like that? I don't know. Is that did he come up with that? Well, no, I think it was sort of. Well, no, he didn't because I don't believe in in ghosts no, or, or spirits or anything. Um, so it, I, I have trouble with that. But anyway, that is uh, an interesting fact. So Tempest is not officially his last work. Yeah. So um, the Tempest uh, is a play by Shakespeare, and I think I will, I'll do a very brief whistle stop tour overview of the plot just for anyone who hasn't seen it. And if you haven't seen it, I, I urge you to watch it. There's a wonderful version with Roger Allen as the main character, Prospero. Um, it, I, I performed at the Globe. It's one I'd, I love that version. It's got a, uh, it's very very good. Um, so uh, the Tempest, right? Uh, the story behind it is sort of before the action of the play happened. Uh, there is a uh, the Duke of Milan, um, called Prospero. Uh, he uh, is beloved by his people, and he loved books. He lo- really loved books. Uh, and then he is usurped by his brother Antonio because he 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 because he loved books so much he didn't really want to rule that much so he gave all the kind of power to Antonio he was still the figurehead but Antonio was running everything sort of behind the scenes as it were and Antonio wanted more power so he overthrew his brother uh, and uh, became the Duke of Milan his brother then escaped Prospero escaped with his three year old daughter Miranda uh, helped by Gonzalo one of the uh, you know, one of his men. Um, and uh, on this little boat and sailed away and landed on this island where uh, the spirits, including the main spirit, Ariel, was trapped for, for many years by the witch uh, called Sycorax. Uh, and she trapped them and had a son called Caliban, who is this sort of wretched monster um, who lives on the island. And uh, Prospero frees them in order for them to, to serve him and, and his magical, he gains magical powers and things. Um, and then uh, the story, so that's the, the sort of the beforehand. I forgot to mention that... Um, uh, the king of Naples uh, aided the Duke of Milan, uh, Antonio, who became the Duke of Milan, to overthrow Prospero um, in order to gain the territory of Milan, uh, so that he could have you know more more land, which people in that kind of position quite like. Uh, so that's that's the before the play. Uh, during the the first scene uh, is a tempest, a great storm that uh, that that rocks the boat and uh, that they're sailing on the, the Duke of Milan, uh, the current Duke of Milan, Antonio, and um, and the and the king of Naples are are, uh, are on. Alonso is his name. Uh, so the, the, the ship uh, is rocked by the Tempest, by which is caused by Ariel, which is under the orders of Prospero. Uh, the crew are washed up and um, on the on the on the island where uh, the fifteen year old Miranda and uh, and Prospero are now. Uh, she's obviously grown up. It's been twelve years has passed yeah. uh, since they left Milan. Uh, and really long story, you know, a series of events happen. Uh, the main bit of the play, <laughs> which I'll go into. The play I'll into, happens. I'll go into more detail later. And and by the end, um, Prospero forgives uh, all the uh, characters for their sins and is returned. Uh, that's the return and is reinstated as the Duke of Milan, where he belongs. So that's the that's a very very it's very weirdly, simple. Hmm? Weirdly a lot more magical than I expected it to be. It is one of his possibly his most magical plays. Yeah. Very very magical play. Um, and I'll go into why it's magical actually. Because obviously um, Macbeth like has the witches, yeah. but their their powers are never like fully shown. It's kind of just they like, just sort of make a yeah. motion, don't they? Yeah, and, 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 then and, and there's and some then spirits, I suppose, isn't there? Yeah, the, the apparitions. But, um, um, I mean, the apparitions are seen more as like mental. That's yeah. That's sort of more yeah. reflective of his of his own state than uh, than. Yeah, that's else. like very clearly magical, which I, I, proper, I like. Proper yeah. magic in it. Yeah. Um, so, uh, first of all, uh, chiefly, the tempest itself uh, is reckoned to be uh, the people reckon it's it's inspired by a true event which happened on July the twenty fourth in sixteen oh nine, where a fleet of nine English vessels uh, were nearing um, 
the new colony of the Bermudas because this is now we've got to the, so this King James is the king which I will go into uh, a lot more detail in a bit um, but we know we've just started to colonize we've, we've taken parts of America and things uh, and so we are starting our colonial journey uh, yes. which will reach its peak in 1922 actually which is many many years after this um, <laughs> Not important, just an interesting fact I know. And I like to throw in interesting facts I know because otherwise they're just taking up space in my brain. True. <laughs> now you can forget that and you don't have I to I shan't. I shan't forget that because it's... Uh... Because my brain won't let me. But um, uh, inter- so, I've got an uh, interesting fact. Uh, coke is called coke because it used to have cocaine in it. It's not called coke, well, it, but it did have it cocaine, did have cocaine in, cocaine, in it. Yeah. It's true. It's anyway. There's another point. Um, interesting facts. It's not related. Started in 1886. Coke. Did it? Oh. Don't know why I know that. Why do um, you know this stuff? I don't know. I really <laughs> don't. I wish I did. I just have my brain will just. Re- I'm really good at pub quizzes. Yeah. I've got this useless information in my head. Mm-hmm. Um. Anyway. I have more important stuff in my brain. No, like, you don't. You have nothing in your brain. No, I don't. Um, so, <laughs> I love you. Um, so, uh, uh, what happened is, is approaching the colony of, of, of the Bermudas um, and a cruel tempest as described by um, people who were there. People reckon it's probably a hurricane now, but uh, they, you know. They, yeah. In, in the moment, it was probably just a scary water attacking them. A scary water um, attack. So, uh, they... It's a great way to describe a tempest or a hurricane. It's <laughs> a scary, scary water, water attack. attack. <laughs> um, so, uh, the ship was, was wrecked. Uh, they, they thought that everyone died, so the vessel kind of... The, the fleet, sorry, carried on. Uh, it was the Sea Venture was the name of the vessel, which is an imaginative name-ish. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it was a sailing ship, uh, and it was moving uh, things to the Jamestown colony, which was which had been set up... Uh, and it was like I said, it was wrecked in 1909 uh, off the coast of Bermuda, um, and they, uh, yeah, they reckon it, it it was gone and everyone died, but actually hadn't they hadn't died and and people survived, and so this quite amazing story of survival and and quite scary uh, story of survival was was quite well known um, to. Uh, Jacobean society, because uh, obviously it was English ships, so they got back to England through through the through the sailors and things. Yeah. Um, and this is quite a well known story that would have inspired people reckon inspired uh, Shakespeare's story because it is a very similar oh, yeah. thing of someone on a sailing ship that uh, where there's a storm and they seem they wrecked and they think everyone's dead. That's the big thing is that all the characters who are in they're separated into different groups by the storm and they reckon that the other groups are all dead, uh, which they're not in the end, obviously. And this took place in Bermuda. It's in the Bermuda just off, off triangle. Well, I don't conspiracy theory proven because one ship because <laughs> one ship uh, was wrecked and no one really you know died. Um, <laughs> yeah. Dangerous. Anyway, so that's sort of a, a, the main sort of. Uh, a historical event, one of the biggest historical events that reckon to inspire the story itself, um, at least the, the at least just the title, you know, yeah. if if nothing else, the opening scene. Uh, so there's some interesting themes that are present in the Tempest, uh, such as uh, themes of of treason and legitimacy, uh, because of course uh, the Duke of Milan was overthrown, Prospero was overthrown by his brother Antonio. Yeah. So there's questions of whether he was the legitimate you know, whether he's legitimately should be in charge. Uh, And there's similar questions raised over King James the first rule, because King James the first was the king after Elizabeth, um, the first, lots of firsts, although he was called King James the sixth of Scotland and King James the first of Britain, the first king to unite Scotland, Britain, Ireland, Wales, and Cornwall and everywhere, um, you know, all together. Uh, And uh, so, but he was, uh, he was, of course, um, he he was a Stuart, so he was he was a different family line uh, to uh, the Tudor 
which had been ruling for the last few uh, last couple couple hundred years actually I think um, that's sort of three generations at least not a couple hundred years that's not <laughs> what I mean um, uh, over a hundred years uh, you've got uh, Henry the seventh was the first Tudor and then Henry the eighth Mary the first sorry Edward the sixth my apologies Edward the sixth and then Mary the first and Elizabeth the first um, and uh, Elizabeth if we go into a bit about her she was actually quite a popular queen and one of the big things for that was that she was one incredibly intelligent, incredibly intelligent woman. She she had some great schemes. Uh, she was an amazing military strategist, better than, than people thought she was. Um, and one thing is that she was, of course, a woman. So people thought that she wasn't going to be do a job, but the, the, but she proved everyone wrong. She was an incredible ruler. Yeah. Um, and one key aspect of being so beloved by her people, uh, at least in in some interpretations, of course, it's different interpretations because this is the past. That's how history works. You know, some people disagree with me, but um, it seems to be quite a popular ruler. And one thing was that she was. Um, she was she was seen in the public. She she walked around in public, seen by her subjects, and that's a key thing. James was a lot more private, a lot mm-hmm. more a lot more uh, personal. So he was he was very he wasn't just trusted as much, and he was Scottish as well. And people English people didn't like Scottish people at this point because they were still separate until he becomes king of both um, uh, countries. So yes, Elizabeth, uh, she she was very very uh, well loved, um, and she did this thing so. As you may know, Mary the First uh, would burn Catholic, not Catholics. She was Catholic. Would burn Protestants, yes. sorry, and and kill Protestants and things. Um, as she was known as Bloody Mary because of the amount of executions. Uh, over three hundred and sixty people were executed under her, um, under her rule. A lot of people. Uh, a lot of people. A lot of people. And just for the simple crime of being a Protestant. Uh, and then when she died, Elizabeth was a Elizabeth was a Protestant, and so she didn't do that uh, she didn't obviously kill lots of Protestants that'd be weird um, she did kill some Catholics but not as many because she sort of she kind of had people get round it by asking them different questions and 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 uh, making because it's simple you know because as you may know with the religion you the idea is you're not supposed to lie especially about your religion if you renounce mm-hmm. your religion or say that you're not religious in that particular way that you're going to hell which isn't ideal but then if you do say you're a Catholic you're then being killed so that's also not great yeah so she would kind of ask questions in a way that you could get around an answer where, like, for example if you say um, uh, if someone asks you are you a Catholic you know you could say well I prayed earlier today and that doesn't say whether you're a Catholic or a Protestant but it might still be true it's probably still true you know because it's not supposed to lie and there's sort of ways that you can get around it because she, she, she wasn't as much uh, it seems that she didn't seem to care or mind as much yeah. um, well she was being, um, she's always she's she, was, she was Protestant but she was definitely always seen in the middle yeah like she was like she was Protestant, but she didn't like prosecute Catholics. No, not particularly. She she wasn't she wasn't as as evil as ruthless as yeah. her sister uh, is portrayed to be. Um, so there's that, uh, and, and yeah, so she was quite quite well uh, well loved queen um, in her native country. Also, she was of course um, never married, mm-hmm. uh, and she used this. She suddenly she you know there's, there's reports that she used this sort of. Um, uh, this fact to 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 make her rivals it was like uh, or people wanted maybe form alliances with her the kings of various other countries yeah. uh, form alliances where they try to woo her and things and she she she'd give out gifts that were famously worse than the gifts she was given she was always given the best gifts in the world you know she was the first person in Europe I believe uh, to to be given a, a watch a wrist watch oh. I'm fairly sure uh, I believe that's, that's another thing I've I'm, I've learned from all histories I'm fairly <laughs> sure. um, but. Uh, she, you know, so she was given the most amazing gifts in the land, uh, but then she would give out gifts that weren't as good. Like, uh, you might not think of them as good, I think they're quite good. <laughs> she would give out gingerbread men um, <laughs> that were 
designed to look like the, the recipients, <laughs> actually. And it was apparently her own recipe. Whether it was or not is not for me to judge, but apparently it was. there was known that it was her own recipe yeah. uh, for this, these gingerbread men. So all of that uh, it means she was, she was very well liked. But she wasn't well liked by King James. And I think for a good reason, to be honest with you, she killed his mum. She did do that. That doesn't a lot of the time doesn't people don't like you for that. No, uh, that's not a, that's not a big vote winner kind of thing. Unless um, um, your mum is really mean, I suppose. So uh, James the first mother was Mary Queen of Scots, yes. who um, was the cousin of Elizabeth. That's where the lineage. That's why he inherited the throne. Um, but she was imprisoned in the Tower of London for about a year. And then uh, executed by Elizabeth because um, she was kind of was a threat to her throne. Well, it's it's often believed that actually she didn't really want to execute Mary the, Queen of Scots, true. and that the kind of the setup of um, uh, Mary Queen of Scots being a traitor and blah 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 was actually set up by one of Elizabeth's lords. Yeah, and the kind of evidence for that is that after the execution, this lord was sent away. And, yeah, and, and, so it was sort of yeah. And the kind of the Drew we'll connection. never you know we'll, we'll never, never know the true story but it, it, so um, the main thing is she was executed under the orders of Elizabeth yes. whether Elizabeth wanted or not is, is disputed I, I I agree that there is there is definitely evidence to say that it wasn't necessarily Elizabeth's idea um, I mean she kept with the Island for a year that's you know she could have executed her a year ago yeah. you know um, but she didn't so uh, anyway so she she killed uh, Mary Queen of Scots not herself obviously that'd be quite that'd be quite gangster wouldn't it yeah. um, but you know what'd she, you say <laughs> so she was she was had her executed and although at this point um, James has only last saw his mum when he was about nine months old yeah. like, very very young um, had no real connection to his mother other than the fact it was his mother uh, which is not nothing obviously yes um, so what he did next is considered I think quite petty yeah uh, where what he did right was he had um, Elizabeth's body dug up um, and, and then reburied with her sister, with Mary, uh, who he obviously didn't like. Uh, and his, he brought his mum's body down to London and uh, had a monument which was three times the size of the tomb that was given to Elizabeth. Mm. Took, I think, six years to build. Oh was extremely God. expensive. And uh, uh, and so this is all, it's all for show. It's all out of spite. Yes. Because like I said, he doesn't really know his mother uh, on a personal level. Um, so it's completely out of spite. Uh, it's just quite, quite, like I said, quite petty, yeah. really. Um, but the main thing is he absolutely hated Elizabeth. He really, really hated her. So, um, Shakespeare has this character of Sycorax, which I mentioned earlier. Not the characters from Doctor Who, um, oh. unfortunately. Uh, but the, uh, he was a witch. So she was a witch who ruled the land with an iron fist, bef- quite cruelly, and imprisoned loads of people before the... Uh, you know, the liberator Prospero got there. Yeah. Well, who does that sound yeah. like to you? Uh, so, yeah, Sycorax is a metaphor for Elizabeth, um, which James would all be very, very because... in favour of. Because uh, Shakespeare, you know, would... He'd play up to the king. Yes. Which I don't think is a bad idea. To no, it's pretty smart. Especially as he got... He was actually... Um, uh, his, his company was adopted... By the king, very quite quite quickly into his reign. I think only a few months into his reign when he was um, crowned in 1603. Uh, so, and that was quite good for Shakespeare. He got some money, which is nice. Um, speaking of money, actually, um, James thought that the country was richer than it was, <laughs> basically, because Elizabeth had always portrayed this 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 uh, evidence of, of lavishness and and, and exuberance yes. and, and and wealth when they didn't really have that. 
So when he got down to London, he went, oh, everyone's poor. <laughs> and he spent lots of money, which they didn't have. Yeah. So it was a bit awkward. Um, so, yes, that's, that's part of it. And, of course, he, of course did uh, Treason and, and James I is quite well known. The Gunpowder Plot, for example, which is another one I'm sure we will cover because it's a wonderful story of complete idiots. <laughs> um, you know, one of them wrote a bloody letter to his cousin or something who was in Parliament that day. It's just, just foolish yeah. people, really, really idiots. So then that was in 1605. Um, so the gunpowder pot plot, sorry, gunpowder plot, um, <laughs> gunpowder uh, pot. was obviously an attack on him and Parliament, yes. trying to kill him and Parliament, blow up Parliament by Catholics, by radical Catholics, um, and this was quite worrying. So that's where that's where treason comes from um, in the play, because it's treasonous acts where um, Antonio, who is the Duke of Milan, the usurper of uh, Prospero, want pl- plots to kill. Um, with some other characters, plots to kill uh, Alonso, the, the king of Naples, um, so that so that they get more power, basically. Um, so there's there's elements, and they they that doesn't go, go through. The Naples is fine, and eventually they get kind of their justice, which is another big theme of the play is justice. Um, so the gunpowder plot is an interesting thing actually because it proves that ordinary people. If they put their minds to it, that were and had more than one bloody brain cell, <laughs> um, could have actually killed the king. Absolutely, which is a very worrying thought, yeah. especially if you're the king. <laughs> uh, so James was desperate at this point. James the first was desperate to prove that there was a conspiracy against him, more than just a bunch of Catholics being yeah. angry. You know, he wanted to prove that it was a, it went all the way up to the top. You know, basically the Pope was involved or whatever he yeah. could find. Uh, and so there's this man, Henry Garnet, who was a 50-year-old senior. He was a senior Jesuit in the Catholic Church, uh, which 50 is old at this point. This is in, in about 1605-ish, I believe. Um, the average life expectancy in the UK was 35. Mm. So he's done quite well, he nearly twice well. as much. Um, you know, so he's done quite well. Uh, and... What he's done uh, is nothing, <laughs> pretty much. But he he because he's sort of he's sort of high up in the church. Uh, his he was arrested the same week as the plot. James wants to prove a link between him and the plot to prove there was this wider conspiracy that he was so desperate to find. Because he thought if he could prove that it kind of went all the way up to the top, he could say, look, they were taking orders from these grand Catholic priests and things and these these people high up in the church with lots of influence, and they couldn't even do it. They yeah. couldn't even kill me. I'm basically invincible, mm-hmm. um, which isn't which is quite the 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 spin uh, <laughs> to use a modern political term. It's not that modern actually. It's sort of quite old, but you know what I mean. Uh, yes, modern, modern for me. Modern political you know, term. Modern spin. for the old man over here. But it definitely wasn't used at the time. Yes. Um, and well, uh, you don't know that. That's a good point. This is when we uh, found out Shakespeare invented the word spin. spin. <laughs> he invented a hell of a lot of words. He did. Um, so. Uh, they were just find the link, find the link between uh, Garnet and the plot, and they they found a book in his home. They they you know raided his house and they found a book which was called um, a, a Treatise of Equivocation, which was then which was scribbled out and changed <laughs> to a Treatise Against Lying, uh, and it was received as absolutely outrageous this book because it basically told Catholics how to lie in a way nice. that meant that they could keep their faith and not break you know not break any sort of religious rules, but not also not be killed. Um. And this book was quite famous at the point. It kind of went, it was kind of it went viral, as it were, uh, <laughs> as much as you can. That, in, that's, in, a, that's a new model. That is a new model. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> as much as it can in Jacobean England. Um, but 
it was actually used by Shakespeare uh, as well. It was popularised by Shakespeare because the, the treatise of equivocation has that word equivocation, which became quite a dirty word, yeah. you know, um, and used by, in, in Macbeth, actually, which we mentioned earlier, the play Macbeth, the porter scene, uh, and the porter who represents, in some, you know, uh, interpretations, represents the devil. Mm-hmm. Who he says, he says, you know, if a man be part of Hellgate, he'd have all turning the key and all that. Um, is I, I know the monologue is, line. Uh, is going on. So um, uh, he represents the devil and he says, he's one of his most key lines is, uh, faith, he's an equivocator. Uh, and he uses that to be quite, you know, rude about it. It's quite a dirty, quite a dirty word uh, that people didn't want to be called, he always didn't yeah. want to be called an equivocator. Um, so that's where they get kind of that's that's where that's from. That's a reference to a, the context of another Shakespeare play, yeah. which plays into the context of this play. Um, he's so deep. He's so better. I know, right? Uh, he's very. I must say, he's he's a clever writer. That he, there's a reason he's endured for four hundred years. Yes. You know, he's quite a good writer. Um, even if you find him quite dull, I think the stories that he writes are quite clever and quite well well thought out. Although a lot of his stuff, I must admit, uh, and I, this is a surprise to you, I do apologise, most of his things are completely ripped off from, from other stories, whether yeah, that be yeah. Greek mythology or anything. Well, this know. one, The Tempest is actually one of those plays, one of the few plays, one of, I think, about two, actually, where people reckon's an almost entirely original story, yeah. which is I think is very good. I know, I know my Twel- Twelfth Night um, is ripped off from a, like an Italian play. Yeah, Italian the, the, like, It was like, literally like, 70 years earlier like yeah, that long. yeah. <laughs> um, but you know Shakespeare did it better so yeah. <laughs> you know um, he was more famous so basically that's was, how it works he spoke English <laughs> yeah it's it's sort of like when they remake uh, an Asian film in Hollywood yeah. sort of thing and it gets it gets, becomes more famous yeah. I think we mentioned that before we mentioned it in other ones um, like in uh, uh, Seven Samurai being remade as the Magnificent Seven yeah. although I, I do that think Seven Samurai might be a bit more famous I don't know but yeah there's a lot I think of maybe idea. now but maybe, right, it, maybe the because came out, yeah. Um, but yeah there's sort of like we, we're more famous so we're getting, we've got more money so we yeah. can do it better kind of thing anyway uh, so uh, actually one thing that you might think that so this kind of interesting that the, the title uh, A Treatise Against Equivocation was scribbled out and rewritten and um, uh, I did wonder I did wonder was that uh, was that done by the people who charged him? Because this trial was obviously a sham. I'll go into the trial in a minute, but it was obviously quite the sham. Yeah. Um, was it done by the people who charged him to make him look worse? No, it was published, it was sort of published, as it were, in about 1598, so well before the plot. So no, <laughs> never mind. Uh, sometimes you get that in history, you, you get, come up with a theory, a hypothesis, yeah. and you Google it, and you're absolutely wrong. <laughs> so, oh well. Uh, you know, keep, keep, keep on learning. Um, so... What they did with uh, Henry Garnet was they gave him an enormous trial in this huge courtroom that had hundreds of people attended. So it was very, very, very public, incredibly public trial to make him seem so important. He wasn't that important. Yeah. He was just a dude in the Catholic Church, but they made him seem like he was a vital. He was an incredibly important person. They gave him this enormous, this lavish carriage that he arrived in. Yeah. Um, which, you know, a nice ride before he dies. Because, um, yeah. by the way, yeah, he was found guilty. Um, so, I don't know if that's a massive surprise. Yeah. It took the jury... 15 minutes to work out that he might be guilty. Well, they, they really thought about that one. That's some in-depth... Um... It just made me think. Like, did the judge just go, and the jury, please uh, exit, and when you find him guilty, come back out and tell <laughs> us? Um, because, like I said, they, he, James was desperate to prove this link between him and the gunpowder plot. He was, he was, um, he was sentenced and put to death, uh, and he was. Um, that and, same day? And I don't think the same day. There's a bit after. But, um, the, um, uh, you know, the, speaking of public execu- execution... Which we were. Um, we were speaking of, you are correct. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, the um, four members of the gunpowder plot, the people who, who, who plotted against uh, James I, were very public executed. They were hanged, drawn and quartered. Yes, yeah. 
which is a horrific. I, I mean, all executions are horrific, but there's a really horrific thing where you you know you're dragged through the streets um, originally, and then you're you're hanged by the neck until dead. Um, I may have got the order of it wrong, actually. There, but you know, <laughs> it's a lot of bad stuff happens to you. You get disemboweled, and you you you. Apparently, one of them actually, I believe, um, one of the conspirators uh, had his heart removed, and he held up the heart. It might be, oh, is it him or someone? There's an ex public execution around this time. I can't quite remember who. Um, and it's just a wonderful story. So it's worth telling. I, 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 I'm sorry, I, I'm missing on the details. Um, <laughs> but he, he plucks the heart from this 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 traitor and he holds it up and goes this is the heart of a traitor and apparently the dude whose heart has just been removed said you liest <laughs> thou liest he says which i don't believe i think it's probably more yeah. <laughs> if he said anything it was yeah. probably intense pain um, not those words. That would be weird. Just, it was like, oh, <laughs> intense, intense pain. pain. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for describing that. Um, so, well, yeah, I mean, you got a bit of time while your cognitive <laughs> functions are still yeah. working. But I think more like your eyes can move, not you can say yeah. bloody thou liest. Thou liest. Which is quite the, quite the phrase. Um, <laughs> anyway, so uh, that's, uh, that, 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 that was that. The, the, the gunpowder plot was a, was a key. And Henry Garnet's trial was a key part. Yeah. Of, of this and he used in other Shakespeare plays as well as uh, in The Tempest and all these these things about treason and about conspiracy um, which all appear in the play. That was some key moments in the history of Shakespeare, uh, of The Tempest specifically. There's more to go into. There's there's some brilliant things you can find out about the um, uh, the technology they used to use. Like yeah. uh, one thing because of course we, we now use LED lights and moving heads and, and, and soundtracks, I don't digital know. I sounds. Use exclusively lanterns. That's it. <laughs> um but you know there's there's there was these wonderful things called a swivel, which is like swivel but with an E instead of an I. Um, Whoa. I know right <laughs> no, these are kind of they're on a wire between the top of the stage of the heavens and in, in the Globe Theatre anyway. Yes. Uh, the heavens and down to the stage. Um, and they put a firecracker on it and light it and the firecracker would spin around oh. and spiral down and that would make a lightning effect. That's which so is quite cool. gorgeous, isn't it? Quite yeah. a wonderful they're very clever um, with their uh, technology. They, 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 for thunder sounds, they'd, they'd roll a cannonball down a trough backstage yeah. and things like that. So they were very, very bright people Which in those know, days. All they needed, metal sheet, just shake it. Yes. They did sort of things like that as well. And, uh, anyway. They're overcomplicating it. They, yes. <laughs> so um, that, was, uh, that was some of the context behind the Shakespeare play, The Tempest. I would urge you to read it or see it or in whatever form you can. I think it's very good. Um, I, think, I think personally it's one of his best, actually. I really do enjoy it. Um, and I just, I just find, I find context to literature and arts quite interesting. I really do. I think that, that, that there's some great context behind The Great Gatsby, for example. Yes, yeah. Um, the, the Fitzgerald novel. So, oh, yeah, you look into context of any book, like, books are going to be influenced by, by um, things. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it's like, um, that one that you do in GCSE that's influenced by the, the communist... Oh yes, yes, yes. Um, the 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 uh, crucible, crucible, crucible yeah. which is an allegory, uh, yeah. Arthur Miller's allegory for the Red Scare and McCarthyism. Yes. But, but also based on a true story, which is really cool. Uh, yeah, yeah, although a lot, a lot of artists, a license. lot of yes, a lot of the, artists. The license. characters' names are the same. So. Most of them, yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, so yes, that was that was uh, some context behind the Tempest. I hope you enjoyed. It. I, I hope I found it interesting because I, I just thought I wanted to share that, and it's my podcast, so I can <laughs> our podcast. But uh, you know what I mean. Um, <laughs> anyway, our podcast. Our podcast. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, that's enough of that, I suppose. Uh, there's more to go on to, but uh, I, I shan't because I've run out of time. And uh, I'll leave you with this. In 1833, Abraham Lincoln opened up a bar called Berry and Lincoln with his friend, William F. Berry. In Imaginative New- name. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> in New Salem, Illinois. 
The shop was eventually closed when Barry, an alcoholic, consumed most of the shop's supply. Yes. Uh, that's, that's just, that's only a joke, that's a general that's fact. A fact. That's, <laughs> actual, that's an actual bit of history. That's genuinely true. Uh, ketchup was sold in 1834 as medicine. I must admit, it does always make me feel better. It does. Yeah, I love ketchup, I do. Um, anyway, thank you so much for listening, uh, and we'll see you next time. Goodbye. Bye-bye.